Thank you for joining us today. We hope this teaching inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you tools for everyday life. We encourage you to visit us at mbcocala.com to discover more about the life-changing ministry at Meadowbrook, as well as convenient ways you can partner with us financially in helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Enjoy the message. Come on, let's all stand together. Hey, God has been good, amen? And uh, we just feel like that is just getting going, and we are just so thankful to God, so thankful for all of our dream team, and as Pastor Ryan said, so thankful to you for your prayers and your your support to make that happen, and uh, good things are going on, and good things are going on here today, and uh, some of you need some good things to go on in your life, your situation, and uh, thankfully, we can go to God. I said we can go to God. And let's do that right now. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord and uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person in this place today. Thank you that I believe you've gathered us, that you've ordered our steps. You're aware of every one of us. You see us, you hear us. And I thank you, Lord, that as we've come together, Lord, let our hearts be not just our need, but let it be our honor for you. And as we honor you and acknowledge that you are great and you are greatly to be praised and there's nothing you cannot do, nothing you cannot help, there's nothing you cannot fix. So as we stand before you today, God, we're asking for your help. We're asking you, Lord, for those areas in our life, those things that are on our hearts and on our minds, things that might be troubling some folks today, some some tough situations. I pray, God Almighty, show yourself strong. Do things that we can't even explain as we watch you help your children. The psalmist David said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. Show yourself strong. Take good care of your children today. And we thank you in advance for that. I pray that when everything is said and done today, that you, Jesus, the Lord of our life, head over all things to this church that you would be pleased that you would be honored and that these your people every single one of them would be helped today and that is our prayer in Jesus name everybody said amen and amen help me welcome our online and our east campus today God bless you guys so glad you're with us peace to your house you may be seated you may be seated we're so glad you all are here Let me remind you quickly, this coming weekend is our XO conference, and um, like Pastor Ryan said, if you're thinking about getting married, hope to get married, you've been married, it's all well, or your marriage is a mess right now, I I highly recommend you get here for the XO conference. And then also coming up is Easter, and that's uh, really just a few, few weeks away, and we're going to be having six, count them, six services and um, uh, we've got a lot planned. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Uh, this, is our, this is our moment, okay? This, this is the difference maker is what we're celebrating at Easter. Also, the perfect time to invite people to come to church. That's why we're making room for that as well. So there'll be three services on Saturday and like 20 on Sunday. No. It's three on Saturday, three on Sunday, and we'll, we'll be refreshing you on all of those times and, and details coming up. Well, we're already on week six of an eight-week series. Typically, I don't do eight weeks. I really felt impressed to the Lord 
uh, due to the importance of this content and then just I feel like the Lord's leading uh, we're going a full eight weeks and so today we're in week six of what happy families know and uh, I want to zero in on the word happy here uh, think of it in the big broad sense of the of the word of happy and the, the fullness of that not a light little transient happy but big full happy blessed peaceful um, you know, it's what we're talking about here. And happy is not happenstance. It's just not just happen. This is the result. Everybody say the result. It's the result. Don't get tired of hearing this. It is the result of the intentional alignment with God and his ways. It's an intentional alignment with God and his ways that actually produces what we're calling here happy uh, the stability, the peace, the blessing that would all be included in, in that idea. So we're exploring a number of um, principles. I believe that life really is made up of principles. Those are the nuggets you gather and base things upon. So we're looking at principles. Uh, we're looking at practices, things that we can do, both as foundation and application, and how that will that is our intentional alignment with God and His ways. That is what makes the difference. Now, look with me in Isaiah chapter 32. Everybody here? Okay. Isaiah 32, verse 17 and 18. Watch this. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Now, this word righteousness here in its essence means this. God's way of doing and being right. God's way of doing and being right. And so the fruit of that righteousness. So what is What is that really? It's an intentional alignment with God's way of doing and being right. And the result of that will be, come on, come on, will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people, say that's me. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. How many of you know that sounds pretty good? That would be a good you know, real estate listing to have that under the, you know, that place would sell in a minute. Amen. Um, So peace is vital. Peace is precious. Peace is the goal. Peace is desirable. Peace is available. But here's the reality. There will be problems and stress and crisis and conflict. How many of you know I'm telling the truth today? You say, I didn't come to church to hear all this. Yeah, you did. Because what we have is good news, and the good news finds its goodness in the context of the other news. And here's the reality. In life, we're going to have stress and problems and and crisis and uh, conflict. Uh, Yet what we're after, as we said here, is, is peace. So let's look at the source of those problems and stress. First one, you ready? Life. Just life. Every day you have things, even on your best day. Nobody has a perfect day, not, not here in this life. But on your best day, you're still going to have to deal with some undesirable things. And uh, so that is a source of some of our stress and problems and so forth. Here's another source. People. Don't, don't look at them. People can be the source of stress. Am I telling you the truth in, in church today? Uh, stress, conflict, and, and so forth. And then here's, here's another one. You have an enemy. 
Yet we have an enemy of our soul. We have an enemy of our families and our relationships. And he has a strategy of disintegration to break apart, to break down. And so we do well to be aware of that. So what I want to share with you today, and we're going to dive deep into this, we want to talk about conflict and peace. Conflict and peace. Come on, everybody say it with me. Conflict and peace. We're going to have this conflict. We can have this peace. And so it's going to have much to do with how we handle conflict. Dr. John Gottman, he's a a University of Washington professor, marriage researcher, uh, conducted a study where he tracked 700 couples over 20 years. And over that study, they were able to predict with 91% accuracy who would divorce. And their predictions were based upon, and the accuracy of it came down to this, not if they argue, but how they argue. So let's roll it over to us. It's not if you have conflict in your life. It's how you have conflict in your life. See, I would do a disservice today to stand up here and say, come to Jesus and you'll have no problems. How many of you know that is not true? Actually, you come to Jesus, you've got a whole different set of problems. Because some things before Jesus, that's no problem. To live like that, talk like that, act like that, whatever else. And, and so we come to Jesus. Uh, it's not that we do not have problems. We now have help. We now have light. We now have some answers. Can I get an amen out of some believers today? Amen. So it's not if you have conflict, it's how you have conflict that makes a marriage, a relationship, a family, watch this, either stable or fragile. Either stable or fragile. I think our goals are obvious today. Peace would be a goal. Stable would be a goal. You know, I, I just can't imagine, you know, and I've done a whole lot of weddings in, in my years of ministry, and it seems like, you know, there's less and less weddings in the church, you know, so I can't I can't just say as the bride comes down the aisle anymore because there's a whole lot of location weddings now. And, you know, they're on farms and beaches and everywhere else. So uh, I, I can't imagine that any bride weaving her way through the trees across the pasture or down, down, down the beach or down the aisle in the church that they have in their mind as they're walking down that aisle that, man, this is going to be a mess. I'm sure there's some people say, I wonder what I'm getting myself into. But nobody's thinking, you know, I bet we'll really be fragile. A really, we'll really be strifey. We'll be unstable. Um, you should run the other way at that moment, you know. But I think in our hearts and our romanticized ideas, all of us, we, we want peace. We want stability. We, we want that to be our life, our relationships, certainly our marriages and our families. So let's go back to this again. It's not a matter of if you have conflict. It's how you have conflict. You can actually disagree without drawing blood. There's a place in the Bible where two great leaders, Paul and Barnabas, uh, it says that their disagreement, their contention was so sharp that they actually separated. And... Um, you know, so it comes to all of us, but it is how 
we handle it. Adding to the whole idea of conflict, yes, we're going to have conflict. Here's another problem that, that, that really multiplies the anguish of it, and it's this. Um, most people, how to handle conflict was not modeled well for you. So in our families of origin, our, our parents, our, our grandparents, our neighborhoods, our culture, our family at large, it was not modeled well for us. Here's, here's a few ways that this is on the don't do this list, okay? Uh, yell, scream, the silent treatment. And some people, I've talked to them, that, that it's not silent treatment for minutes or hours, it's days. Let me tell you a principle that we teach around here. Nobody likes it, but I'll tell it to you anyway. Maturity is measured by recovery time. How long does it take you to get over it? Let's keep going. Here's also on the don't do this list. Character assassination. Name calling. Never ever say, your mama. (laughs) Continuing with the list. Stomping out of the room, throwing things, hitting things, hitting people, becoming hysterical or becoming historical. And by that, I mean you keep bringing up the past. Can I just remind you, that's what the devil does. The devil keeps bringing up the past. Now, this is a good place to interject right here. If there are patterns involved that are creating the conflict, If there are patterns, somebody's doing something, they continue to do something, it's serious enough, it's serial enough that it keeps happening, you need to get help. You know, if you 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 need to pay some attention to that and get that fixed and get that helped. Amen. Uh, But in the ongoing here, there is a better way for us to handle conflict. So let me diagram here for you a little bit. Conflict comes to to all of us. And so let's mark conflict. Oh, look, too, it's XO. <laughs> Conference is coming up. Um, and once conflict comes to us, what we want to endeavor to do is to resolve that, okay? To resolve that. If you don't know how to resolve it right, it remains unresolved. Or if you don't know how to resolve it right and you choose to do nothing about it, it remains unresolved. Now, everything is about process and product, okay? So here's something that happens. Crisis, process. Conflict, process, so that we can get some kind of result, And the result we're after, we've talked about this and saw this in Scripture as well, the result we're after is is peace. And if if we don't follow a process right that leads to peace, we'll end up with this result, we'll end up with, with strife. And again, I think the goal for all of us is we want, come on, we want, we want peace. Come on, we want peace. We're going to have this, so what we, we've got to be better equipped here so that we can resolve this so that we end up in a place of peace rather than this mess that would be on this side. If you're following me so far, everybody say amen right there. Amen. Now, and let me just remind you of this too. Peace, peace is the manifest presence of God. Strife 
is the manifest presence of the devil. You say, no, it's my husband. It's my mother-in-law. It's a... No, the sponsor and the main applauder of strife would be the, the devil, the enemy of our souls, the enemy of our relationship. Now, he can't be blamed for everything. You know, how many of you know sometimes it's been you and it wasn't the devil, it was just you? Okay. But ultimately, the source and the sponsor of peace is God. The source and sponsor of strife would be, would be the devil. Look with me in James chapter 3, verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking, this also in the New Testament Greek is strife. So self-seeking, when we get selfish, for where envy and self-seeking or strife exist, confusion or disorder, and every evil thing are there. And that points exactly to the strife column. The Bible both begins and ends in peace. There's conflict after the peace, a process, incredible redemption, The Bible begins and ends in the garden. It begins and ends in peace. God is the God of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. We're in the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then we are called to peace. There's actually a scripture in in 1 Corinthians that says, but you are called to peace. Can I give you the context of it? Divorce. So even if divorce is a reality in your life, your, your, your storyline, you are called biblically to be at peace. So what all conflict, whatever it comes, we know there is a path and a calling that can take us to peace no matter what the rest of the situation is. Amen. Look with me in Psalm 34, verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace. And pursue it. This actually means strive for this. It's actually saying this. It almost sounds like a contradiction. Fight for peace. So we're fight for peace and then pursue it, which actually means hunt it down. This means you hunt this thing down until you catch it and wrestle it to the ground. We are to seek and to pursue peace. Now, so let's see a a couple of things here. Happy families know, because conflict's going to come to all of us, happy families know how to fight fair. Most families know how to to fight, but we want to learn how to, come on, to fight fair. Now, this is a deep and wide subject here, so we're just going to hit on a couple of of big essentials here this morning. You're going to have some takeaway with you today, some things you can apply because if we just learn you can't apply, we wasted all of our time. So happy families also know about good communication. Come on, say that with me. Good communication. This, I cannot overemphasize how big this is. Good communication permits progress. It permits progress. Good communication is vital. You know, in any coordinated anything, be it a team, be it special ops, uh, be it first responders, be it a vacation, whatever it would be, uh, good communication is vital. And this is where the enemy loves to get involved. Remember, he has the strategy of disintegration, to break apart. So he wants to uh, stop our communication or corrupt our communication uh, because of just how vital this is. 
When we have good communication, it helps us to feel connected. You know, when you have a good talk with somebody, you are more and more connected to them. Good communication can help us to avoid many conflicts. And you need to know that. Conflict comes to us all, but some of these things can be avoided. Also, good communication can help us to solve problems, to resolve conflict, and it also blocks many of the tools and weapons that the enemy would love to use to keep us separated and broken down. Look with me in James chapter 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, okay? So this is all of us. You here? You here? All right. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Look in verse 20. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now, remember this word righteousness. The effect of righteousness, no matter what's going on, the effect of righteousness is going to be peace. Okay, so if we do it a different way, we're going to end up with a different result than what God intended for us. Go back to verse 19, if you will. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. So we're talking about good communication. The first thing is you should be quick to listen. Come on, everybody say quick to listen. How many of you know that when conflict's going on, we're not quick to listen. We are quick to start thinking what we're going to say. And so we start right away thinking what we're going to say. And you need to become intentional about, okay, I realize what's going on. And I pray to God that we all get quicker, keener at realizing, oh, 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 this is exactly what this is. Now, what do I do? Here's what I do. I'm quick to listen. So intentionally listen, hear what they're saying. The second thing would be this, be slow to speak. Come on, everybody say it. Slow to speak. Let me give you a couple questions that will help you to slow down in that process. Ready? Here's, here's the first one. Should I say it? Here's a second bigger, better question. Should I say it now? Come on, how many of you have ever messed it up before because you said it? And timing is everything, is it not? Okay. And so quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And apparently, we're able to do these things. Because the Bible is saying, do these things. Everybody, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. And it tells us what to do. You should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Also, happy families know to watch your tone. I sound like my mom, don't I? Watch your tone. Look with me in Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In the Old Testament Hebrew, this actually is the idea of stoking a fire into full blaze. And this is probably the most Accurate application verse in the Bible. This one is true. A soft answer will turn away wrath. The opposite of that is true too. And then a harsh word will stir up anger. So what do we need to do? You need to watch your tone. And look at me. And you need to watch your volume. Because as soon as you start to get loud, let me tell you one thing. How many of you know it's never one thing? And how many of you know most of the time when people say that, they don't know what they're going to say next? (laughs) But watch your tone. 
Watch your volume. Keep it down. Hold your peace. It is estimated that about 90% of communication is inflection. And as a, as a child, I got in trouble for a lot of things. And uh, this was one. My tone. Come on. Where on times, and I don't, they don't do this anymore. I think it's been outlawed. Uh, but I would get my mouth washed out with soap. Anybody here ever else? I'm starting a support group. <laughs> to this day, I'm not kidding you, to this day, if I see a bar of ivory soap. <laughs> Worse than ivory, and I've had it is Irish Spring. <laughs> but the worst in my book, and I have not tried lava, but the worst is Safeguard. Smells like a hospital, too. Watch your tone. Watch your tone. Happy families also know this. Don't stay angry. Come on, say it. Don't stay angry. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, 27, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. I don't want to give the devil anything let alone actual real estate in my house, in my life, in my family, in my, in my marriage, in my relationships. And what happens if we stay angry, we actually give an opportunity for the devil. Now, here's what happens. Anger defiles the atmosphere. You know, in any setting, as soon as somebody gets angry, it defiles the atmosphere. Further, the presence of anger distorts communication. As soon as somebody is angry, and that's why James gave, the book of James gave us some good advice there. As soon as anger is present, you stop hearing as well. You you stop monitoring how you speak as well. And that's why we have clear instruction from Scripture. But here's here's the, the point, though. Don't stay angry. Because the principle is this. What you focus on, you become. Hear this. Don't miss this. What you focus on, you become. So if you stay angry with someone, you become angry. Did you hear it? You don't need someone anymore. You're just angry. How many of you know somebody that they're just angry? I mean, they yell at the TV. They yell in traffic. They talk about them. If I'm describing you, just look straight ahead, smile. People won't know. And and where does that come from? Because what you focus on, you become. And so if you make it a pattern of your life to stay angry, ultimately you will become. You just are angry. And it's not the way to live. Happy families know, I've got to let that go. I've got to let that go. So happy families know about this. They know about forgiveness. Come on, everybody say forgiveness. And this is also a deep and wide subject. We could talk a whole lot about this, and we will uh, throughout the year. But let me give you a couple of essentials on this as well. The longer you hold on to unforgiveness, the longer you stay hurt. See, we have a wrong understanding about what forgiveness is. You know what they did? I can't let that go. Listen, listen. Don't confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. See, forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. Forgiveness is taking them off of your hook and putting them over on God's hook. 
And when you do that, God is fully aware. And we're, we're worried, though. If I, if I put him over on God's hook, he's going to go soft on him. He's going to be merciful and kind and patient. I have better ideas. But I said, we'll see you in a minute. We've been forgiven, though, right? You give yourself a gift. You give yourself a gift instead of keeping that, keeping that on the books. You wipe it off your books. God buys out the account. You can say to them, you owe me nothing. Take them off your hook. Put them over on God's hook. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another. That's novel. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Look at, at it in the message paraphrase. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ also forgave you. Listen, there can be no enduring, healthy relationships at all without forgiveness. See, the past cannot be repaired without the practice of forgiveness. The present cannot be stable and balanced without the practice of forgiveness. The future cannot be hopeful and secure without the practice of forgiveness. Every day you've just got to determine, I forgive everyone of everything, and I forgive myself. Y'all, she's not here to defend herself, but yesterday I forgave Alicia of several things. (laughs) And the day before. (laughs) And I didn't even tell her. (laughs) I say, you're chicken. You're right. (laughs) No, No, you just got to get in the practice of Okay, do I carry this around or do I let it go? Again, a pattern of something that's serious, that's a whole different different thing. I'm talking our day in and our day out of marriage and family and and relationships. We're going to let some things go. Actually, you hold it together by letting it go because of the value of peace. Listen, every time, every time I come and go from my house, I look at my house, I back down my driveway, and I look back at my house, and I say, peace to this house. Every time I pull up to my house, I stop for a moment. I don't care if we're in conversation or what's going on. I stop for a moment, and I'll speak over whatever else is going on. Peace to this house. Look with me in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, but whatever house you enter, how about mine? Whatever house you enter, first say, come on peace to this house. Look at verse 6. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. And if not, it will return to you. You want to act as such a way that your sons and daughters of peace in your house and let peace come to you and let peace reside. Listen, this is not just people getting along. This is something from heaven that God will blow into the atmosphere of your home that you can have a peace because you know what? Peace does not grow here naturally. Peace is a supplement that comes from somewhere else. It comes from heaven. And as we cooperate with God, 
God can blow in, so to speak, peace into your house. And it's important. And you know what? I value peace. I've lived in strife. I've grown up in a house that had strife and and anger and so forth. And I don't want that for me. I don't want it for my bride. I don't want it for my kids. I don't want it for my house. And God has a better way and he has a better idea and he wants peace in my life and he wants peace in my home and he wants the same for you, but we need to cooperate with him. Amen? Amen. Let me finish with this. It's not if you're going to have conflict. Can I make a prediction? (laughs) That today, well, you know, it's not if you have conflict. It's how you have conflict. And there's really a better way to have conflict. And the goal, peace. Let me say this real quick and then I'll finish. You will never have any lasting peace with others unless and until you have peace with and within yourself. The world will go along with us that far, but let me take it a little bit further and here's the difference. And you'll never have any lasting peace with and within yourself unless and until you have peace with God. That's why Jesus came. That's why he did all that he did so that he could take the conflict out of the way so that you and I could be reconciled back to God so that we could have peace with God. He demonstrated his love. He forgave our sins. He blessed our lives, and that leaves us in this position. Here, this is the most secure thing you can ever say, that because of God's love for me, I have nothing left to hide. I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to fear. And then when you're in peace with God and you've got peace with and within yourself, now you can be at peace with others. Peace to your house. Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Thanks again for listening to this message resource for Meadowbrook. You can stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.